Welcome to HR Bites, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who take a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work every day. People who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. Today's guest is Nicole Roberts. Nicole joined MVAH Partners in the midst of the pandemic, or rather at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020, and guides the overall people and culture strategy for them. She's been in HR for over 17 years and has worked in multiple industries. Welcome, Nicole, to the show today. I'm so glad to you know, meet you and talk to you about today's topic. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me for this. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. My uh, daughter has a snow day today, so we're uh, making sure that, you know, she stays in her room and as quiet as possible so I can, uh, you know, be present and participate in this. But I mean, you know, it's it's all about flexibility and, uh, you know, making things work. I think that's something that we all learned in 2020 is how to, uh, you know, pivot and iterate and, and make it work. Absolutely. And if you hear snow shoveling, that's my husband outside. So please bear with me as well. I told him to be quiet, but I don't know how you can be quiet when you're shoveling snow. So there you go. So again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, welcome to our show. Uh, we talk about everything HR tech, HR, and how we're leveraging technology in the workplace. So, you know, this pandemic, like you just mentioned, has definitely, you know, brought that agile HR agenda to the fore and how agile HR, you know, is working out for each one of us in our profession is, uh, I think we can all write books at the end of this experience, right? It's so different. It's so, if we talk about personalized employee experience, I think in HR, we are having a very personalized experience, right? Um, so in what way has this pandemic changed your uh, approach to technology within your HR role in your current position? And how do you think our HR function has changed over the past 10 months? So uh, when I joined MVH Partners, kind of the first thing that I wanted to do in the beginning was you know, meet with people and find out kind of how things are going and how I can help and what are the pain points. And I'm, uh, you know, setting up interviews and, and things like that with teams. And I was getting some feedback. They're like, oh, we don't really use teams. Like we just, we just started using it. And it was so funny that from that to then all of a sudden we're using it every day. We're using it multiple times a day. Um, and so I think that a lot of companies were kind of like on the edge of wanting to adopt that technology, but maybe other things were taking priority over that. And I think that this pandemic really created an opportunity for a lot of us to embrace with both hands using technology more and finding a way to be more connected using technology and having that, you know, being able to see somebody in the face versus just hearing their voice and having that engagement and people feel a lot more of a connection when you can see somebody versus just hearing them. You also know that the person is listening to you. You also have a lot less interruptions when you have calls, when you can see people and you know when they're done talking. Otherwise, you get a lot of 
oh, oh, sorry, you know, you go ahead. Um, and I think that, you know, for us, we are uh, an essential industry. And so it's essential, obviously, for people to have a place to live. So in order for us to really uh, live our mission, which is empowering people and enhancing communities, we saw this as an opportunity to really double down and adopt that technology. And so through our um, applicant tracking, through our recruiting processes, through removing any paper redundancies that we had, we really just took that opportunity to uh, make things as easy as possible and to really meet people where they were. Absolutely. And it, that's a great analogy. Um, and it's a great segue to my next question for you, because, um, you know, social networks and our social capital within organizations play a great role in how we in HR get technology to work for our department, right? So in what way did your social capital within your organ your new organization, you're brand new there. Um, I mean, I would say you're brand new because I don't count 2020. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> so you know, how did that work for you? You're brand new, you're trying to change things and you're saying this is the new technology we're going to use. Of course, the pandemic is helpful, but still, how did you get them to adopt and how did your social capital help you in doing it? So, you know, as you had said, I started, you know, right in the beginning of COVID. And so I didn't have that capital right away. And so it was really through sharing experience of what I had used in prior places. And then I kept just demonstrating that uh, I did know what I was talking about. I would, you know, build that trust by saying I'm going to do something and then following through with it, um, listening to people and their pain points and saying, oh, I know of something that you can do that'll help with that. And then kind of getting that reputation for being a person who, you know, tries to um, recommend solutions and isn't just do things this way because this is what I say and this is what I want us to do. I was very, very thoughtful uh, in my approach. And so after I'd been with the company for about 30 days, because obviously not wanting to come in and change everything right from the beginning before establishing that trust, I began to make recommendations for improvement in processes um, or either completely replacing systems that were in place. So I started in March and we implemented Paycore pay recruiting, which used to be Newton software in May. I've used it in previous companies. One thing that was definitely a challenge for us was just kind of the lack of that centralized candidate record. Um, things weren't integrated together. The, the process that we're using currently didn't have a real great search feature and the database wasn't really robust enough. And so I was able to say, hey, I've used this before. It's a very cost-effective solution. I've, you know, used it in this same size of group. So I know that it's something that we'll be able to just plug and play and also really easy and super user-friendly for managers as well. And so implementing that in May and having really uh, kind of a quick win as far as success with that, because the managers loved it right away, it was really easy to use. They did see how you could keep that communication going back and forth with the candidates and not go and hunt in emails for, um, you know, communication threads and things like that. And then after having that kind of first proven success, then the next time that I suggested something, you know, I kind of had that 
um, that capital was there and that reputation was there of not just implementing things to implement them, that I was being really intentional and, and um, thoughtful in what I was suggesting. Absolutely. And definitely that communication piece between you and your stakeholders is the key, right? I mean, without that, nothing works. So what advice do you have for HR professionals who are either trying to adopt new technology or adapt to the old technology because now they're forced to, basically? Uh, what's one piece of advice you have for our colleagues? So the biggest thing that I can say is really take the time and listen. You want to make sure that you get it right on the front end. So spend time with people, people that are really heavy users of the current processes that you're doing now. Find out where their pain points are. If your proposed piece of tech is super self-serving and only serves to improve your job or your process, then you need to reevaluate your approach. So for example, we just implemented Spark Hire for video interviewing, and we had a real pain point in our process across the board, didn't matter what job it was, where our hiring managers were trying to coordinate availability with candidates, and we were actually losing people in the process because um, especially in like people at our properties, I mean, they could get a job offer the next day and be off the market, and here we are back to square one. So we took out that step of trying to coordinate those schedules in at least that first um, screen. So we started using the one-way video interviews. And then the other thing that was really neat about that, that we kind of discovered as we were going through this, we've only been using it for about 45 days. Um, not only can that candidate record that one-way interview, but several people can see it. And so then you also reduced the amount of interviews that you had to have as follow-ups after that, but also you could be super intentional in your next step of interviews because you could get feedback from other people on what to cover. And so we've taken days out of our process by doing this. And Spark Hire also has a uh, scheduler link. So then when it did come time to schedule that live interview, which was also recorded, the manager just says, hey, my calendar's up to date, click this, pick a time that works best for you and really eliminates that back and forth. And it's been really fantastic addition to our tech stack. Absolutely. Technology <laughs> can do wonders, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we are probably going to work from home, uh, whoever, you know, most of us, at least in the HR function. And, and uh, you know, we are working in industries where there are emergency personnel who have to come into work. And then there are those who can work from home. But we have this kind of hybrid model going on for a few industries. And then it's mostly remote working for most industries. Um, what do you think we in HR can do to you know, help with this increase in remote and, um, you know, working from home and hybrid working conditions. What can we do to help our employee populations and our, you know, fellow HR colleagues? So I think it's important to take a step back and look at this as well, that this isn't new. If people had um, roles where you had people in other states from you, like for example, we've got locations in 15 states. So no matter where I'm at, I'm remote from somebody. And so it's not a matter of, okay, I'm just, I'm just working from home and I'm not immediately in the office and I don't see people. I mean, 
we've been, you know, working remote for, for quite some time. And so it's really important to have processes that are scalable, that don't have a lot of manual intervention. Um, and there's a, there is a um, lack of dependency on paper and physical files at our fingertips. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of a joke around the office that like, don't bring me paper. I don't want it. I'm not going to keep it. Don't, I mean, just don't even bother. If I don't have it electronic, then, you know, send me a PDF or something. I'm just, I've eliminated having paper part of my process years ago. And I, it's just so much easier for me. I was in a role before where I had people in several states as well. And so I needed to be able to, if I was traveling, I could access things no matter where I was. If I was physically in my office, but I wanted to be able to access, you know, performance records or conversations or things like that, I could always make sure that I could. Um, the other thing is making sure that when you're remote or hybrid, that people have access to you and they have visibility. And, you know, make sure that you're accessible to everyone, but also set that expectation of what's realistic as far as service timelines. I think a lot of us, especially early on when we started working remote, um, had this almost guilt associated with it that if you got out of your chair, that you were not, you know, uh, fully supporting your people. And it's just, it's not realistic. And those expectations really were putting on ourselves. Uh, and so I have a disclaimer that I actually borrowed from uh, Katrina Kibben, and it says, we work flexibly at MVAH Partners, and I'm sending this message at a time that's most convenient for me, and there is no expectation for you to respond outside of your own working hours. So that allows me to be flexible in when I'm getting work done, and maybe I'm in meetings all day, and then I'm answering you know, emails or sending messages at night. I don't want somebody to think that they need to take time away from their family or from their time that they're decompressing from their day to um, get involved and start working. So I want to make sure that I'm really clear and that I'm setting that example of having appropriate boundaries and setting those expectations. Absolutely. Gone are those days where we were eating lunch at our desks and continuing to help everyone else, right? We used to forget to wear our own oxygen mask, but I hope that's a thing of the past now. And I hope, I hope, really hope that we'll never go back to those days in HR. So that brings us to the question connection, the fun section of today's conversation. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, so who's one person you've gained in your network over the past year that you think everyone in HR tech needs to know about and meet and connect? So I joined a weekly uh, Wednesday night Zoom call that was organized by Pam Ross. And first of all, everybody needs to know who Pam Ross but is, but also... Shana Sweeney is somebody who, if you have not met her, you need to meet her. So she is the CHRO of Sugar CRM, which is, you know, a tech company. And she is one of the most unassuming and humble people that you will ever meet. But she has a super fascinating and impressive background. And I am always learning something new from her. And not only that, she's so willing and eager to help uh, and to teach new things to people and to connect people. And I mean, she's just, she has such an interesting 
background and she has so many interesting stories and experiences. Uh, she's definitely somebody that you should get to know. Absolutely. And I link her LinkedIn account or whatever profile links you can share in our show notes for our audience. What's your favorite HR podcast? So I'm a big fan of audiobooks as well as podcasts. And now that we're um, in the office more, my commute's 35 minutes each way. So I actually can actually get through a whole one, uh, usually on my way there. So Don Burke has a new podcast called The Workplace Headcase that is launching this Wednesday. And I'm super intrigued by that. I listened to kind of the teaser, the trailer, and I'm really interested to learn more about that. Uh, in addition, I love the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast. You get such a unique uh, blend of information. It's never the same thing. And you get to learn about other HR practitioners and, and some of their really neat and interesting experiences. Um, also, I really enjoy Impact Makers with Jennifer McClure. She has had some really fascinating uh, guests on her podcast. And then I've recently found At the Table with Patrick Lynchoni. He just had an episode on the importance of effectiveness over busiest, busyness that was really fantastic. I shared it with my team. So those, those are kind of my top ones right now. Wonderful. And I link all of those in our show notes for our audience as well. And uh, since we're on the topic of favorite audiobooks and uh, podcasts, what's your favorite e-learning or webinar series, either on LinkedIn Learning or any other platforms that you've come across related to HR technology, of course, that you would recommend to our audience? So I was invited by uh, HRO Today uh, earlier in the fall, probably like September, October, to attend a three-day workshop that was on engaging and retaining talent, especially focusing on remote workforces and different tools that people can utilize. And so I found that very interesting. I'm eager to see what they come up with next for more virtual workshops. And also the um, ERE uh, talent workshop was really neat. I loved the way that they set up that kind of virtual uh, vendor connection. You could do, you know, demos of different technology and meet different people. And it was really fantastic the way that they set it up because it wasn't like you were coming in and being, you know, bombarded by a bunch of different vendors. You were able to go in and say, okay, I'm interested in this and I'm interested in this and then be really intentional with your time and your focus. And so I am cautiously optimistic that more um, workshop and um, conference vendors and presenters will follow, follow suit. Absolutely. And we'll link that as well in our show notes uh, for our audience. So given the upheaval of all things work and life in 2020, what's one workplace trend you think is here to stay? Other than the Zoom shirt, which I'm wearing today. <laughs> <laughs> my, my greatest hope is that no one thinks that we're, quote unquote, going back to normal. We, it, it, we, this isn't the new normal. This is the new and improved and innovative. And, you know, kind of as I was saying earlier, there were a lot of companies, I think, that were just right on that edge and just needed to jump. 
And I really hope that they don't kind of climb back up the cliff. I think that we would only be doing a disservice by scaling back the ways that we can connect with people and the ways that we can use technology to further connect and to improve those connections. I actually just started doing a 30-day check-in with new hires, and I was able to use that live interviewing feature in Spark Hire to create kind of a dummy job that is, uh, I called it check-ins with Nicole. And so I'm able to send that scheduling link. They're able to connect with me. And I'm able to say like, hey, how's it going? You know, you've been with us 30 days now. What can you, you know, what can we learn from your onboarding experience? What was your expectation compared to reality? Because to me, that's the greatest compliment we could receive is that the expectation that we sent actually matched the reality of when you stepped foot. Uh, and also after we have this conversation today, what follow-up items do I have for you? And, and, you know, here's my commitment of when you should expect to receive those things. And let's check in in six months because I don't want you to be just, you know, a, 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 a face without a name or, or a name without a face after that initial 30 days. I think that a lot of companies get really good about the, the check-in and the engagement in the beginning, and then just kind of expect the manager to maintain that relationship going forward. And I want people to know that I, I care about them, you know, one, as, as somebody that's part of our team, but I also care about them and their life outside of the company. And I certainly recognize that they have a life outside the company. So after they get through this initial stage and they're learning so much and they're exposed to so much, I want to check in in six months and say, hey, how's it going? You know, when we talked, um, you know, six months ago, you said this was going on in your life. What's new? Is there anything I can do? Oh, did you know this person also does that in their free time? Maybe you two can connect and, and talk more about that. I think that we need to uh, get rid of that mindset that you kind of leave your personal life at the door and you come into work and you're hyper-focused on work. I think that we're kidding ourselves. If, if we think that people aren't impacted by all of their external factors when they come in. And I think that we should support that and celebrate that. Absolutely. And it's high time we recognize that, right? I mean, we are human resources. We forgot the human. <laughs> we really did. <laughs> So, you know, and this whole past, uh, I, I would say at least the past 11 months, ever since the pandemic was somewhere lurking outside our borders, uh, we kind of started, you know, getting together as an HR community and planning and sharing and, you know, learning from each other's experiences, because I think it first occurred somewhere in on the West Coast, right? The first case mm -hmm. of the coronavirus. And so our colleagues from that side of uh, America actually helped us on the East Coast. A lot of my friends did. And, you know, we've all tried to give back. And how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? And how do you, you know, plan on continuing to do that even past all this, you know, pandemic stuff? I started to uh, co-moderate the job hunt chat on uh, Mondays on Twitter at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm the, the um, moderator once a month, but then I also will, you know, pinch it if somebody else needs to do a trade. But I, I usually try to still tune in and participate and, and help facilitate that. I think it's really important that we take the knowledge and experience that we have and we pay it forward. So especially in terms of 
you know, the job hunt chat isn't necessarily an HR chat. There's a lot of people who need a lot of help and support. And I, I have tried to get a lot of my uh, HR friends and, and peers and, and connections to participate in that and to basically take the time to give some advice and some knowledge. And, and um, you know, these are some things that you could probably do that would increase your effectiveness and your success in what you're doing. Um, I was participating uh, and was very involved in my both local and state uh, SHRM volunteer leadership prior to the pandemic, but I have teenagers and when they were basically going to school at home uh, in the springtime, I really scaled back from a lot of that because I wanted to make sure that I was being first and foremost really present and really intentional and, and there for them because it was a completely different experience for them. Um, and so I, I scaled back on that last year and I anticipate that I'll be getting more involved. Um, I'm involved in Disrupt HR, which I know that we can't have those events right now. So there's a lot of things where I have uh, small pieces where I'm involved that I can see are going to expand more as we are able to get get together and connect again. Absolutely. And I love the work that you're doing with Disrupt HR. I wanted to attend some of the events, but unfortunately, you know, like everyone's plans went out the door, minded too. <laughs> but hopefully one of these days, right? The vaccine's right at the end of the tunnel. We're going to get it soon. <laughs> so thank you so much, Nicole, for being my guest today. I really learned from you and I'm sure my HR colleagues and our HR colleagues here and across the globe, um, you know, have similar, have had similar experiences that will resonate with them. So thank you so much. And please continue the great work that you're doing for the HR community. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. I look forward to bringing you more such global stories of HR and HR tech. Have a great day.